Hi, and welcome to Idaho Catholic Podcast. This is Deacon Pat coming to you from Western Idaho. We got the crew together tonight. We're running a little bit late. Uh, Mike has uh, put us behind schedule again, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that in a minute. But hey, let's go around the table and introduce ourselves so everyone knows who's here speaking with you today. Hey, Nick's here. Ryan's here. John's here. Mike is here, if you can hear me. Okay, Mike, since you made us wait 29 minutes um, for your arrival so we could get going. Um, the what pizza's was, cold. What's the story? <laughs> what's the story, man? What's going on? Well, Saturday night, my, my well pump died. And my, my neighbor, I went over and knocked on his house and said, Hey, do you know anything about wells and pumps? And he said, I used to install those. So, and he's kind of semi-retired. And he's been spending... Uh, the last three days, like working like 12 hour days, 16 hour days, um, working on this, this project to get this well pump fixed. He's probably saving me about $2,000 depending on what a well guy, I don't know what a well person would have charged. Just the, the pump alone was going to be like $2,500. I don't know how much. A person would charge to drop a new drop it in. I'd drop it for about a hundred bucks. But uh, well, I would have I would have hired drop you it then in for free. <laughs> <laughs> drop it out of the back of your truck, right? <laughs> Just to hear this, the noise it made. <laughs> well, anyway, Mike, I'm glad you made it, and um, that's not pizza you're eating. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> like cardboard. Hey, no, so I'm gonna back away from the mic and start chewing. Okay, you guys take it away. Okay, great. <laughs> So um, we were trying to think of a topic that would be interesting to share, and yesterday was the election. And I know half of the country feels one way about the election, and the other half of the country feels another way. We thought, though, that maybe we would um, approach it from really the direction of, of a Catholic, and maybe how just how modern guys maybe feel about some of these issues. But I think before we jump into some of the issues and maybe what the Catholic Church believes and what do we maybe uh, think about that? Uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about how a person forms their conscience. And Brian, do you have some thoughts about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is probably one of the first things that we, you should talk about when you're talking about trying to navigate uh, controversial or hot-button topics. Because both sides of every issue will probably tell you that um, they're following their conscience and they, they believe in the importance of a well-formed conscience. But um, even if they're both Catholics and they're both... <laughs> Excuse you. Mike! <laughs> I thought this was a serious podcast. <laughs> okay, we'll get back on track. <laughs> So, so even if, if two Catholics are discussing some topic like maybe abortion or homosexual marriage or something like something that people have strong opinions about in both directions, they're, they'll probably both tell you that they're Catholics and they're following their conscience. So how do you, how do you figure out who's right there? Um, I think... I think an important distinction to, to be made is the difference between a well-formed conscience and a well-formed conscience that's informed by moral absolutes, which is what the church um, asks Say that us again. to have. 
So <clears throat> there's a difference between having a well-formed conscience and having a well-formed conscience informed by moral absolutes. I don't know. Anyone and, have any and, thoughts? And that would be the guidance that really we're talking about from the church, right? Right, yeah. Where we're talking about these moral issues or conditions and, um, and, and really... What are what is the church's thought behind making those moral decisions, right? Right. And yeah. then we have to figure out how do we apply those to to our life. Yeah. Yeah. And John, you you have the catechism in front of you, I believe. Yeah. What Par- are you looking at? Paragraph four zero seven, and I'm looking at the last uh, sentence in that. And uh, you know, it really all boils down to ignorance of the fact that man has a wounded nature, inclined to evil gives rise to serious errors in the areas of education, politics, social action, and morals. So that's, uh, I think we need to be aware of our fallen nature, especially when we're, uh, even in, in, the, uh, in the public forum, when we're talking about you know, politics and whatnot. And it definitely, our faith should uh, incline us to... Uh, uh, potentially vote certain ways or consider things when when we might enter the ballot box but i think that's one of the pluses of of our church and having the catechism is i think for many of us that when we try to make decisions in life or we think about discerning things in life um often it's our our own personal motives get in the way sometimes and and we can start rationalizing things because of just our weaknesses. And I think having the catechism where we can turn actually relatively easily and and look up what has the church spent just hundreds, if not thousands of years discerning and, and what is right, moral, or wrong, and why. And it really explains it in a very concrete way. I think once, I, I think to do your due diligence to make decisions in life and discerning things in life, you, you have to do an examination of your own motives and what you believe and why you believe in those. But, but do you think people actually do that in our, in our world today, you guys? Do you think they actually research things before they make decisions? Well, there were a couple of um, proposals on Idaho's ballot that um, co-workers of mine and I were really discussing quite a bit. And we were really trying to make informed decisions on what this uh, proposition, say, for instance, Proposition 2, which is talking about expansion of Medicaid. And so um, in doing our, trying to do our research, the, um, the supporting side of the argument would be that, yes, this is good. We should expand this. It's going to help people. And helping people is a good thing, right? And so, it, But it didn't really go into any mechanics of, how it's going to do that, how many people will it affect. Um, it didn't talk about uh, financially of what's it going to cost and what, what might that look like. The proponents of the bill also uh, had, a, in my opinion, had a, an even weaker argument in that it was uh, one place that I went to simply, you should vote no on this because this is Obamacare and Obamacare is bad. Okay, I'm looking for a little bit deeper (laughs) (laughs) understanding of of what's going on, you know, other than, you know, throwing a a name in there and and saying it's bad. Uh, You know, I need to I need to know more. Yeah, you know, um, one of the hot topics in this area, and I think it's a hot topic all over. It's been all over the news 
is really um, the, the topic about immigration. And um, we live in an area that has a very high um, population of, of Mexicans. And um, I know speaking to some of them recently about the election, they, they get hot and heated really quickly about the topic of, of immigration. Um, I think one of the things I wanted to share with you guys is, is from the catechism, um, what does the church actually believe and what is our stance about uh, immigration? And from the catechism uh, 2241, it says this. I want to share this little paragraph with you guys, and then maybe we can talk about it a little bit. It says, the more prosperous nations are obliged to the extent they are able to welcome the foreigner in search of the security and the means of livelihood for which he cannot find in his country of origin. Public authorities should see to it that the natural right is respected that places a guest under their protection of those who receive them. Now, some people stop right there, but there's another paragraph that, that goes along with that. And this one says, political authorities for the sake of the common good for which they are responsible may make the exercise of the right to, to immigrate subject to various conditions, especially with regard to the Im immigrant's duties toward their country of adoption. Immigrants are obliged to respect with gratitude the material and spiritual heritage of the country that receives them, to obey its laws, and to assist in carrying civic burdens. I know that was a lot I just shared with you guys, but did anything jump out um, about those two paragraphs in regards to immigration and what the church feels? I guess I'll just jump right in. <laughs> Something that comes to mind to me that I've been thinking about lately in the, is the the right or the duty even of the of the government. I don't remember what it says exactly. If it's a right or a duty of the political authority to secure its borders um, for the common, you know, basically the safety of its citizens. And I would consider myself generally tending towards being pretty lenient on on letting you know people who want to come into this country to work hard and make a better life for their families um i mean i yeah I, i'm all for that and i think it should be you know i don't think it should be prohibitively difficult for people to do that in a legal way but something that's been on my mind lately that's it, been in the news is the like um the caravan of of uh, I think mostly Hondurans who are marching through Mexico right now towards the southern border, and to me it seems like it's a little bit unfair for them to just march up to our border and demand, you know, in mass and demand us to just let them in. And I guess it seems like it's fair for us to say we want to have a, a little bit of a say on who comes into our country, you know. Not just let a bunch of, not just basically let a mob come in just because they demand to be let in. I guess I don't know. And I think they're the credit also not to the media. The media has absolutely lost this um, mention on both sides. Whether it's the U.S., mostly from the U.S., I've heard this uh, saying that um, you know we don't support some a mob just coming across our our border. You know, and uh -huh. we should be. Uh, ready to defend our borders and our sovereignty. The other aspect of it, too, is that 
we will not infringe upon a person's right to petition for entry. So they're not closing the ability for people to come and say, hey, I would like to come, you know, visit your country, follow your laws and, you know, come in or, you know, potentially uh, petition for uh, citizenship or residency. They're not saying that Um, the the government or not the government, the uh, the media or at least the message in the media is, you know, it's just a, a, you know, a, a complete black or white, you know. Nobody's yeah. coming in for any reason whatsoever. And, yeah, you know. because I think most people actually are are really open to immigration. They they just it's it's how they perceive what immigration is and how do we do it. Right. And and I think one of the struggles we have is we don't have laws in place right now that seem to be effective or not. Mm-hmm. So Nick, um, you have a little piece of paper with you, and it came from Catholic Answers, and it talks. Um, it talks a little bit about explaining one view about how to look at immigration. Could you share that with us? Sure. It says, As the father of a family has not only the right, but also the duty to protect those in his charge, the properly constituted authorities of a state have a duty to use their power to advance the common good of the nation. Should prudential considerations, such as the danger of terrorism or the like, suggest that restrictions on immigration are in the common good, those authorities have not only the right, but also the duty to impose such restrictions. So I have a question for you guys. So obviously there's a huge people, huge group of people who want many, many people to be able to come into the country and want easier access for them to come in. But there's also a lot of people out there that are opposed to just having free and open borders. What do you think is behind that? Is it, is it fear? And if it's fear, what, what, what is the fear? What, what are they frightened of? F- safety? Financial? What, what are your thoughts, you guys? I think both sides of the equation are, are usually playing towards fear in the situation. And I, I think that's kind of why we don't usually make much progress on it. We're not actually looking at the individual issues and how to solve individual issues. We're just trying to um, create one side being afraid of the other side and um, we don't get any closer to, to a solution that way. So, so that's immigration. I, I think I agree with you with that. And it's a very complex issue. And I, I think, um, I, I'm actually not, I'm not very hopeful, but, but I think that the, the attention really needs to be put at making some fair and just laws for, for immigration of people. And now, you know, we have the, the Senate in, in contr- the, what is it, the uh, conservatives are control of the Senate. We have the Democrats that are control of the House. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel too optimistic, you guys, that we're going to get much done. But I hope I'm wrong. Um, what are some of the other issues that were some of the hot topics maybe that are is separating our, our society or there's argument or division? What, what comes to mind in your guys' lives at least? Well, I think the one I th- you guys are all trying to avoid talking about this one, I know, but it's probably the most divisive issue in our society today is the question of whether historic horse racing should be legal or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, most, most of the people listening to this podcast have no idea what you're talking about. So could you elaborate a little bit? This was actually a big deal in, was it, was it just in Canyon County here or was no, it, it was state? Boise? The whole state. Oh, yeah, huh? technically. Yeah. So explain what this was about. Cause it was even confusing to me until a couple of days ago when I talked to Ryan. Well, yeah, it is confusing because both sides uh, purposefully have 
spread a lot of half truths and <coughs> yeah, horse, horse <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, basically the the issue was um, there was a racing track, a, ho- a live horse racing track in Boise. They were subsidizing their their track with um, basically these slot machines that um, supposedly were based off of uh, real live races that happened in the past. Um, and the, the track owners claimed they couldn't support their business without the, the uh, additional income from these slot machines, um, which provided like something like six or seven times the income the live horse racing did. Um, so they, the legislature of Idaho refused to grant them permission to run these machines, so they put it to the people. They got enough signatures, put it on the ballot. But yesterday it, it went down in flames. Oh, it, it didn't win. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it lost by like five, oh. five or ten percent, something like that. At, at first, when I heard about it, my first reaction was, "I don't think I'm going to vote for it because um, it is." It, oh no! When I first thought about it, I was going to vote for it because I thought I, I'm all for horse racing. You right. know, I think yeah. uh, I think that's a great thing to have. Yeah. And then when I found out, it really is like these slot machines or, or gaming Basically, machines, yeah, they right? Look like slot machines. And I thought, well, it's it's all about perceptions. And I was thinking, well, that's gambling. I, I'm not in favor of gambling. And then Ryan reminded me. Well, horse racing, they gamble on horse racing. It's gambling, yeah, that, too. <laughs> most of the people oh, attending yeah. the live races you know, put wagers down at the, the house booths. Yeah. And, so, actually, I didn't care yeah. <laughs> at that point because I couldn't make a decision. Yeah. So, so what, what does our Catholic Church teach about gambling? Do you guys know? We don't have to quote it out of the book, but do you just kind of have a sense? of it has, it, It's very similar to drinking alcohol. Yeah. So, anybody well, want to jump in and try? Well, I know St. Augustine said the devil invented gambling. So. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. But, but, but anything but, that becomes a vice is a sin and it should be avoided. Yeah. But beer came but, from Catholic monks, right? There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, avoid so Catholic monks? Monks are bad. And what was Christ's first miracle? Turned water, water into to wine. wine. <laughs> So wine's okay. Yeah, no, but I think you you hit it on the head. It's same with it's ga- it's same with gambling, same with alcohol, same with many things in life. What, once you use something um, in excess to the point that it's affecting your life in some negative way, or drawing you away from God, or drawing you away from your responsibilities, your relationships, uh, making you not um, entirely present to those around you. It turns into something negative, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can't provide for your family because you're gambling too much or drinking too much or mm-hmm. whatever that might be. Yeah. Okay, what about the hot, hot topics of um, that seem to be always at the front? Uh, homosexuality, um, abortion. What do you guys think? Dun da da. Where to go from there? Oh goodness. Well, what is what? What is the, uh, what is, how would you describe in our culture today from our perspective? I mean, these are, we're just regular guys living here. Um, how, how has homosexuality become a problem in our society? What, f- from your, your guys' perspective, what do you think? Or is it a problem? One of the things I, I was listening to today, and it doesn't necessarily need to get to that issue specifically, mm-hmm. but sin in general. 
that it seems nowadays that sin is becoming more and more of uh, uh, a permissive thing. It's relativism. It's, uh, well, it's not really all that bad, is it? You know, those kinds of approaches. And, it, and it's really dulling the senses of, of uh, you know, what is right and wrong. Um, moral truths that have been with us, not, and it's not just through Christianity or through the Catholic Church, but moral and ethical, right, you know, beliefs, uh, turning all of that on its head. Um, I think we covered uh, the natural law, um, you know, the concepts of, of natural law recently. Um, and so, you know, it just seems like everything in the culture nowadays is getting, uh, you know, flipped around and, and confused. I, I think in our culture, though, especially with homosexuality, the, the, the people that are in favor of homosexuality um, have pushed it for so long and so hard and that if you stand up against homosexuality, you're attacked in a very vicious and fervent way. And I think a lot of people either don't want to talk about it at all or um, they do it in such a general way, you really don't know how they feel about it. But the church is really clear uh, how they feel about um, really chastity and homosexuality. And let me share a little bit with, with you, and maybe we can talk about it, from the Catechism. And this is from 2357. And this is talking about homosexuality. It has taken a great variety of forms through the century and in different cultures. Its psychological genesis remains largely unexplained. Basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity, tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine effective and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstance can they be approved. And it goes on further to say, the number of men and women who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. This inclination, which is objectively disordered, constitutes for most of them a trial. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and they, if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross these difficulties they may encounter from their condition. Now, if, if you heard those words on the news or from a public figure, they'd be attacked. Don't you feel? Mm -hmm. Intrinsically yeah. disordered and grave depravity, right? So with the church, and this is not new stance from the church, <coughs> this has been there all along. It looks, it sounds pretty clear to me. So why is there such confusion even in the Catholic world? What do you guys think? Well, I think that you have to balance that with how it said any I don't have it in front of me, but any attempt to discriminate against the, you know, is, should be, is forbidden, or I, I can't should remember the language, avoided. should yeah. be avoided. But, but what's discrimination? But, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. Well, it's just, 
I think that it's like the passage in Ephesians 5 where Paul says, husbands, uh, or wives submit to your husbands, mm-hmm. and they don't read on to the part that says, husbands, lay down your life, or love your wives as Christ loved the church who laid his life down. You know, they, right. they stop at the at the the first part that talks about it being intrinsic, intrinsically disordered um, and a grave matter, but don't I, go on to the part that talks about, you know, we still love. I, I have coworkers. I, I know people that are professing um, homosexuals and I love them. I, I think they're, they're great people. I love hanging out with them and being around them. Um, but do, but do we support that lifestyle? We can we can love a no, per, we can no, love we a can't. person, and we can care for them and want to support them in, in a lot of ways. But when they're openly sit, sinning and really acting what we feel is against God, and 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 really human nature, do we want to condone that and say yes, you're right? No, we don't do that. Right. But I feel like the caricature that the media plays on people like us is mm-hmm. is that you guys are haters. Right. You guys hate people who are homosexual. Mm-hmm. Like we're out there. Well, but there are people like that, right? There are other people. What's the guy from Florida, the church down there that they they protest with signs that say God hate God God hates you or whatever they were oh, saying. Yeah. But, but what is really the percentage yeah. of that, it, though? I mean... Right, no, but yeah. it, it's really small, but we right. get, we're painted like that. Mm-hmm. Right? But then, like, the people that I know, um, they don't... They know, they know me as Mike, the, the, the great guy, the nice guy at, at work who is just... He treats me, respects me for who I am. And, and now, if I was invited to go, say, to a wedding... For a same-sex couple, right? I, I would have to decline because that would be supporting that or endorsing it, and I, I, I couldn't do that. That would I, my, my conscience would not allow that. I think one of the biggest challenges we have in in our current culture and our current society, as, especially as a as a Catholic man, is how do we balance out speaking the truth. And being in a reflection of the truth of what the church believes, but at the same time not being like overly judgmental of people, because you want to be understanding and patient and kind, but not to the point that you don't speak the truth. And I think that's very difficult for a lot of people, especially um, when you do speak the truth, they see you as a hater. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right away. Well, I think like this, the situation, like what, say one of my coworkers was getting married and and I was invited and I declined. Well, hopefully, you know, if I don't have already have a, if, if I'm being invited, obviously I have a relationship with them and they like me. And I, I would hope that my reputation with them would speak for itself and I'd be allowed to speak into their lives as to why I cannot, I can't attend. And that would be, a loving way to be able to speak the truth that I believe into their lives. Does that make sense? And, and that's yeah. a really good point too that I wanted to get to was that why would we speak against it? It's not out of hatred, it's out of love. So we're motivated by love. You want to save their souls, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. well if I didn't if I didn't really care for this person, would I uh, and if I really wanted ill for them, would I speak up at all? 
or just let them like, oh, watch this. This is going to be awesome. Watch them run right off the cliff. But no, it's absolutely the contrary. We're called to say, you know, to, to go to them and to profess the truth of it, um, whether it's natural law or whether it's as a Catholic. Um, that can be really, really difficult, and we get labeled as haters. Uh, and I'm sorry, but we're lovers, you know? And Jesus said that people will hate us. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, Are you surprised? Come on, you know? <laughs> you know, yeah, you know so what the some, scripture says? Someone told me once that if you are... If you are a Catholic, and I guess this would be for a Christian, uh, like um, a non-Catholic Christian as well, if you're going through life and you're not being persecuted, are you really living your faith? Because the world out there is not in 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 line, or in, you know, or is the stream is not the same for our current culture as the Catholic life would dictate. So if you're blending into that culture, are you really living a fervent Catholic life? Yeah, and, and looking forward to that, it's similar to like, uh, um, you know, suffering. If you do have suffering, you know, we want to avoid suffering and we want to avoid pain. But the Catholic viewpoint is, is that, you know, look forward to those times where you do have suffering. It's an opportunity to suffer with Christ. And so, and this is just another one of those that if I'm persecuted, you be, <laughs> I'm doing something right. Yeah, the catechism talked about it. <clears throat> being against natural law and i think that's if, if you're not able to communicate why you believe what you believe using um you know things outside the bible and the catechism of the catholic church using natural law explanations and reasons i think that when you do go to speak into someone's life like that you, you're going to fall short they're not they're just going to write you off if you're just quoting scripture mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, we okay. should talk about the natural law in a future episode. That, that is exactly <laughs> what I was thinking is, is how about, um, I think we got our topic for next week. How about next week uh, we talk about uh, the natural law and that really how that applies to our lives as well. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. That half an hour went by um, in a snap. And I hope you have a great week. We're going to sign off for the night. And um, gosh, we're coming up to the holiday season. And it's just a beautiful time of year for, for many of us. So God bless, and I hope God keeps you and keeps you safe, and you rest peacefully tonight. Amen.